Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Here's your host from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, you are listening to Property Marketing Made Easy by the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anita Baldwin and I'm here with my business partner, Anna Geary. How are you doing, Anna? I'm good, thank you. Are you all right? Yeah, I am great. Thank you. Anita lied the other day because... (laughs) I know what you're spot. going to say. We had a spot on a, on a chin and it was so funny. Fleshy eating yeah. is taking off <laughs> my chin. So funny. It's not, I'd yeah. be happy with a spot. We help a lot of architects, don't we? We, we met yeah. an architect in Leicester City Centre that we work with. He came into the room that we were in and he, like you couldn't help but see this spot. Like It was like four in one, way. Came into it? the room before me. Bit of a bonus. She was like, oh, ignore, ignore that. And she tried to make out she fell off a bike, which is so funny because you don't even ride a bike. My, I said, my dad FaceTimed yesterday. He went, what have you done to your chin? I went, oh, I fell from a bike, Dad. And in the background, I could hear my mum going, she hasn't even got a bike. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that is also true. Yeah. It was just funny because it was like, what? Well, she says, that? sends me a message, not, you know, talk about scaremongering. Sends me a text saying, when you go to the doctors, because I've got an appointment coming up soon about something else, ask them to do a blood sugar test and I went well, okay but why and she went well I'm just worried about that thing on your chin and it's taking so long to go maybe you've got diabetes <laughs> I said, oh, okay then thanks I'll crack on with that <laughs> <laughs> so not normal Anita you've probably got a disease yeah yeah that's okay, anyway today we have a fabulous guest Paul Stapleton and Paul has got a lot of experience again in property but also in like what he says he gives great advice about how to go and find investors and what have you that you're looking for in property and what not to do as well because I think we often see this don't we that people who are relatively new to it fall into the same trap so I'm not going to tell you what that is you've got to listen to find out so let's get into it if you're enjoying property marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate follow and subscribe firstly i'm a i'm a sales trainer that that's been my main business for like the last 15 years eight years ago i found my avenue into property always wanted to be involved in property but absolutely knew that working in a estate agency was definitely not going to be for me found the sourcing scene and was lucky enough to get in with one of the biggest sourcing and uh, investment sales companies in the uk at the time learned my craft there naturally as i became more experienced i started to identify areas in the in the sourcing education system that were being either just brushed over or weren't being taught including sales and social media so naturally, two years ago, I, I set up a, a training business as well. I also podcast as well. So we have the Roundtable podcast. And we more recently in the last year have set up probably London's fastest growing entrepreneur networking event as well, Peak Performance, which is really exciting. So the networking, is that for anyone in any business or is that property related? I found that I'm, I'm a big networker and I just found that by just going to property events, you kept seeing the same people you're in a room full of your competition. Yeah. That's what we always say, don't we? (laughs) You just round your peers. You're not like going to find the cash in this room here. Yeah. No. Well, there was always an upsell. And I think the kind of final now in the coffin was going to one where the guest speaker, like the main speaker, spoke solidly for an hour about fire door safety. (laughs) If I had a gun, I'd probably shoot him and then shoot myself. It was so boring. And I just thought, you know what? Anyone could be my client. Anyone could be an investor. Anyone could be a landlord. It's not yeah. It's not something that you have to go to property events to, to find. 
And my, my first experience of going to a non-property event, I found the biggest buyer that I've had in my career. We, we, we've gone on to do over sort of 60, 70 properties together. And that was just a really boring Essex-based business networking event. I wasn't in a room full of my competition. I was in a room full of just business people. The networking for me is making sure that every event's different. So a different topic, but the topic is broad enough that you could have people from recruitment, insurance. Yes, we have a big property crowd because that's our crowd, but we're getting around 40% new eyes every event. And we get around 230 people at each event. that's fabulous. It's a big event. We've grown it very, very quickly over a year and a half, and we we still have to sit back and pinch ourselves that it's real. We've got some big sponsors on board. One of them being Alan Sugar as our main sponsor. We get some great speakers on as well. Is that a monthly thing? No, it's it's quarterly. It's, oh, it's, okay. it's it's more of a passion project for us. It takes a lot of time to sell 230 tickets, no matter how big your guests are. Yeah. It takes a lot to fill a room. And also we've got our day jobs. We've, we've got the things that actually feed our families that we have to do as well. So it's every... every- the months go by really quickly so when you have a monthly event you think oh once a month that's not too onerous but it's there always before you know you've it got to, you've got to start planning as soon as that one's finished or even before like or even before yeah. to get the guests and yeah. all the organizers we talk at a lot of the property networking events don't we and it's easy for us because we're just talking at them so just turn up and do our so bit that's, that's great actually organizing yeah i mean like our, our event is held in central london logistically we have to get everything into central london <laughs> You have to set up on the same day as you host the event and you also have to pack it down the same day. Plus, you have to host the event and be super energetic, even though you've been up since eight o'clock. You've also got to get it paid for through sponsorship. So you're constantly raising sponsorship, which is a big thing. We're pretty strict on the caliber of um, speaker that we have as well. So, for instance, this next event, we've got Daniel Priestley. I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've got Shah Wasman. Yeah, yeah, I know Shah. But yeah, I've I've been on her one retreat years ago when my, my son's 10 now so it was when he was like one of the first things that I did like when he was over to Jerusalem so yeah she's great yeah, she's, she's really really yeah. good her books are, I definitely always put it out that her books are some of the best that you can read yeah so we get big guests like that we have Rob Moore at the last event um not talking about property but just talking about entrepreneurship and yeah, stuff like that. that's all that I think yeah pre-boxing yeah he's <laughs> probably not going to want to talk about boxing for a while. No, no, I didn't imagine so. But no, no, we, we try to get the biggest and best guests on the on the stage that we can and make it affordable for like the next generation of business owners and entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. fab. So you mentioned uh, you only do it quarterly because you have a day job. So what is your day job? What do you do day to day, really? Two, two things, really. I have my property business, which obviously at the moment is a is a lot quieter than it was this time last year. So we we basically offer a service for landlords a selling service for landlord to landlord sales. So we work with retail investors as opposed to property investors. So we're, we're paired up with a financial advisory firm who refers clients to us that just want an armchair investment. So something. So you to- sell things that like might be a block of flats to someone else that wants to buy. Not even flats. that big. So oh, just okay. single lets, just just good quality single lets that they are, might have a tenant in and they're selling. Yeah, yeah, oh, I see. Yeah, okay. do, yeah, I did that because 
I think the first six years, I just saw this common theme that like they weren't, they were sticking on the market all the time, tenanted properties. And I think mm. what I realized is that just hopefully there's no estate agents listening, but they really, there probably is. They, <laughs> they didn't know how to sell tenanted properties. Like the motivation behind a homeowner occupier house and a tenanted house are completely different. Answering the phone and the first thing that they say is, do you want to book a viewing? does not go down well with a tenant. When we were looking at properties that have been on the market for three months, they've been there because I think the tenants have got so annoyed that they took the phone off the hook, stopped answering the door yeah. and just stopped paying yeah, the rent. Unhelpful. Yeah. And I think from yeah, from an estate agent's point of view as well, though, they kind of shy away from them a bit because it's hassle for them. Yeah. They stick to what their bread and butter is, which is if people are motiv- you know, wanting to actually sell and they can easily you know, deal with just one person instead of those like obviously there's two people you've got to you've got to interact with there isn't there the tenant the and is, the it, owner. it's so easy to sell a tenanted property providing it's like caught up with market rents and that because if you think yeah. about it it's just like buying a business isn't it like you're yeah. going into it and it's you've got two years worth of accounts you've got the full profile of the tenants it's income generating from day one so it's just understanding how to sell it but at the same time it's about having a good relationship with those tenants as well and also telling them the kind of the reasons that they need to be compliant with you because in effect if you're being difficult right now that's not a good first opinion of your potential new landlord to have of you so if you want to stay in this house you need to just comply and give us access when we need it and stuff like that so we we built this great way of of doing it and we built a really good product but Obviously, over the last six, six, seven months, people haven't wanted to increase the rent because they haven't wanted to push their tenants into a financial difficulty. Yeah. As we know, when you're selling a tenanted property, it's not based on bricks and mortar anymore. They're basing it on affordability. So we've been seeing quite a lot of down valuations. So I've kind of not taken my foot off the pedal full with that. We're still doing deals but more time and effort is being spent on the events and also my training academy. Yeah. Who who do you who do you train then? Who's your like ideal person to train? So I seem to inherit the ones that have gone and spent ten grand and lost. I seem to get them. So they come to me with some knowledge, some understanding, and my way of learning is not to go on a, a two day intensive. I think you come out of there and your head is just so bamboozled and you're You don't know where to start, do you? you know, it's all it, for me. It's all about implementation. So I do lots of free and cheap paid training online. And if people like it and they want to learn more, then what we offer is one-to-one implementation packages. So they're four or they're 10 hour. So you bank those hours and you use an hour here, an hour there, two hours here. And it's designed so that we can do something today for two hours and you can go off for the next three weeks and implement that into your business it's all dedicated into their business because we all learn very differently we all have very different skill sets and to think that there's this one product that fits all out there is pretty naive to be fair and the academy the academy is called the training made simple academy and it encompasses sales training made simple and property training made simple we're just yeah, like us with the property property I know, made, I know. made easy i nearly said made simple and simple there no we're made easy it's a good name <laughs> yeah. it's a good name yeah, yeah. But you know, sometimes when I hear, I hear there's this radio uh, on the radio, there's some radio ad and something, uh, blah, 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 made easy. And I was like, it makes me like be a bit like, that's what we say. It's like, and yeah. you, don't, you don't own the words made easy. You, I just feel like it was. 
You go straight up to the company's house and you go, right, when were they incorporated? Oh, yeah. they were before me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, when we, we've been going about a year and uh, this woman oh, yeah. sent us this legal letter about, like, I didn't get a savvy club, but obviously I've got a savvy business partner that had already, like, gone and trademarked it and each had already done it. So um, she went away, didn't she, in the end? She might listen to this now and restart it again. But, yeah, we were like, actually, we've trademarked She was suggesting you? that we change our company name and yeah. all of our branding after, and all of after our a year. website and everything. And uh, we were barely making any money there as well. And then, then when we looked at it, the business she was trying to say was the same. She had a complicated structure and the actual business was savvy and it was dormant. But she's trying to say that we, you know, cost her money. Yeah. And it was nothing like, nothing like we would not want her clients. Like what she does completely different. She was an agency but... servicing retail customers yeah. and we don't do that. So, yeah. yeah. But in the end, it kind of went backward and forward with her sending us increasingly aggressive legal letters and me just writing back from me. And in the end, I went, look, if you make any more time into this, I'm going to start charging you an hourly rate. And then I never heard back again. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, we, we, um, we were fortunate enough that Lord Sugar um, paid for our trademarking for peak performance. We're now trademarked internationally for um the name peak performance and everything related to education networking entrepreneurship and that took a long time there was a lot of objections to overcome it probably took about six months but we're now fully trademarked and um what better person to protect your brand and argue it if anyone does come up yeah how, how did the um connection come together with him then so we did our second event which um we took into london so our first event was held at my office in bromley we did we had about 70 attendees and it was a really good event and we said you know what let's just go big or go home so we took it to london our headline speaker was mark wright who won the apprentice brought some people with him one of which was a um business partner of lord sugar for a company called trademark wizards so obviously it's a trademarking business and a couple of weeks after the event, we just got an email, random email to say, really enjoyed the event, would love to speak to you about um, sponsorship opportunities. And I called my business partner. I said, oh, did you see the email? And he said, yeah, have you seen who's been copied in? And I was like, no. And I went back on it and it said, Lord, Lord Alan Sugar. And I was like, no, nah, it's fake. It's fake. That's, what I think. <laughs> That's exactly what I think. five minutes, he responded to the email basically just saying um, if we're going to partner with these guys let's make sure that we get them fully protected and um, get them trademarked find out if they want it to be international um, happy to go ahead he's um, hot on his emails then he must get a fair few every day yeah yeah and a year later we're, we're still working with them and fingers crossed um, recording some some stuff with them this year as well um, to promote the event and promote their business so you know what when you get out there and you just meet people and you do what you're good at then you just that's that's how you make things happen isn't it yeah um, i mean like even still when people ask you and you they they think you've you've gone and you've you've been begging for like alan sugar to be part of it just to endorse it and it's like when they find out no it's actually they saw the value from attending the event yeah and the second event as well it takes a while sometimes to get up to the level of quality you want but your second event, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it really was one of those moments where we were just like, this all seems very surreal. And at some point we're going to wake up and he's going to, he would have pulled it. But, Changed um, his mind. So we've done three events with them now. Um, we're on our fourth. And then obviously um, we get this filming and that. I'm sure it will go on for another year or so with them. But it's a great, it's a great business to be attached to because like you said, you build this wonderful brand 
And then it takes some idiot to come along and say, oh, actually, you're copying my brand. And before you know it, you're in some really expensive legal battles. So our, our next event, which is in November, is all about building a seven-figure, well, six, seven, and eight-figure business. We're going to be talking to them with Trademark on the stage about the importance of, no matter if you're only just starting out with your brand, now is the time, if you're planning for it to be a big brand, to protect it. Because there are people out there that are watching brands being built and when they see you start getting a bit of traction, they go behind and they actually trademark your business and logo. They take off uh, over your company. So, oh, God, be- I'd just be like, have it if you're that bothered. You know, if someone's gone to that effort, just think. We're going to be talking about that. But the main thing is obviously we're going to have Shah there talking about like mindset of setting up a successful business and everything she's done. Daniel Priestley talking about sort of lead generation. Um, we've got another guy called Jason Greystone who's really. Oh, uh, I, I listened to his podcast. So we've got Jason, Jason as well. Like Jason's it, yeah. a good friend. to that one if we're not speaking somewhere else. Yeah, 2nd of November. So. Yeah. Uh, Thursday night, Central London. Oh. Definitely a different. I'm going to be biased, but it's definitely a different kind of event. Yeah, um, it's the event that I would want to go to if I wasn't hosting it. Yeah, that's all you can do, isn't it? Is make it something that would appeal to you. Because if it appeals to you, it'll appeal to other people just like you. Yeah, we we try to steer away from the whole holiday in function room, round tables, curtains, carpets, like that that kind of thing. It's a really Standard. it's a under a church. It's really, it's a really funky space, lots of exposed brick, uplight yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it does make a difference because, like Anna said, we talk at many events and, like you say, most of them are, you know, function room off a hotel, which is great because there's parking. They're often not far off the motorway and they're overly air-conditioned, in my opinion. But, you know, strip lights. Until, until and we speak and then we're fine. It's not, there's not a lot of character there. And we went to one the other day and it was uh, in Liverpool underneath a bar and it was, it was like an old rave room, like, and yeah. had like a real funky feel and and yeah. the host was really good she was very good at like getting yeah. people out of themselves and creating a great atmosphere but the room I genuinely think the room helped as well yeah it was like it used to be a rave room in like yeah. Liverpool like back in the day so and you could tell that by how how it was yeah so although well, I'm not very good your sound as well when you're talking like yeah. with all of the brickwork and that it kind of carries it to the back of the room oh. naturally and you know what, the, the whole thing for me, when we were looking for an event space in London, well, firstly, it boiled down to price because it's so expensive. I bet. But the the main thing was, it was a it was kind of the experience of them. So it's based in Farringdon, and in Farringdon, you've got some like really nice old cobbled streets, old pubs, and you just start walking up this street, with, and there's this church, and it's got all of our branding outside, and people will almost feel like, is it here? Isn't it here? I, I don't know. And then they go down these steps these old concrete steps that are quite dimly lit but it's not until you walk through the door that all of a sudden it opens out into like this massive vibrant place and it is it is that shock that kind of I've seen people walk in then walk back out because they weren't quite expecting it to be so buzzing and we get quite a lot of people that come and it's their very first networking event they've ever been oh, to wow. it's probably not the right one for them because it is so like it could probably be a bit overbearing well, for them yeah. with the no no to self though with all those cobbles and stairs and whatnot i'll put my uh, my heels in my bag yeah my well, trainers, I'm, I'm, there. I'm sure we've then got I'll a good change. insurance policy anyway as well yeah. when, when we took that place out um yeah. no it's it's great it's really good fun and, and what you get from being the host um the connections you get and the mm. um, exposure is is why we do it it's not like Doing also, these people that you've got speaking, you might not be able to get in front of them just 
Paul Stapleton, but Paul Stapleton hosts of this massive network meeting, come and speak, and then you obviously get to meet them and can get to know them and, and hear them. So it's fantastic because we found on the podcast we can get people on the podcast that might not necessarily agree to just a chat with us. Everything's about exposure, isn't it? Like yeah. podcasts have become really popular. Most of my podcasts I do, I go to places to film them. And if I do it, it's almost like I'm actually looking at what is the quality like is it good enough quality for me to repurpose that's like something that's in my head all the time when I'm agreeing to go to podcasts because I just think I'm going to take time out of my day to go and travel somewhere what's the return on investment for me I know the return on investment for the podcaster that I can give but what do I get out of it and my main thing is I want high quality video high quality sound so then we can repurpose the reels and, and and get that out across our socials yeah perfect that's what we do in ours in fact i forgot we did this or i wouldn't have put this granny cardi on <laughs> never mind it's, <laughs> this is our last one of the day so it's too late now your podcast then what's what is your podcast like about what's the main main structure of the podcast what's it called? so it's hosted by my business partner aaron knightley and again like like you guys he started it during lockdown i came on last february as the sponsor which then led to us collaborating on it as well but it's all it's all around entrepreneurship and business so it's it's not property related so more recently we've really focused on getting people on that are doing really well on social media so some sort of viral uh tiktokers and stuff like that and understanding what it takes to get your content to go viral and i think we're at a position now where we're we're mainly getting people on that we're interested to learn from because you, you see what happens on the podcast, but then it's like the half an hour before and after where we're talking to them, where there's some actual real value for us as well as, as content creators. So we get people like that on. We get some really successful business owners. We get people that have been on Dragon's Den and talk about their experience. But it is mainly people's journeys and, and tips for, for the audience. And we, we've grown that now, I think, this time last year, we were about a thousand followers on on YouTube. We're we're just over twelve thousand now, so it's grown quite well. Yeah, fab. Is it on all the? It's like a podcast as well, then. So it's YouTube and pod, podcast across. I mean, we've only just gone and put it on Spotify and Apple. Oh, it's okay. always yeah. been something that we've spent the money on making it visually, uh, uh, yeah. visually to watch. So we spend a lot of time on the editing of the um, the trailers and stuff like that, and kind of the the transition between speakers and stuff like that so we've we've wanted it to be something that people can watch but then we've had a lot of people saying i'd love to listen to it on the move as well so we started yeah yeah youtube's our main focus and now tiktok as well tiktok is doing really well for us with the shorts so then getting them across to watch the the longer form yeah all stuff yeah. yeah So what's your plan for the next kind of few years then? Well, hopefully watch the market come back to where it was a little bit and we can we can go full steam ahead with um, the property business again. Get peak performance into a larger venue. So go from 230 up to, would like to the next step be 500. Um, so a big, a big place. But really focus on the, on the training academy. I think I've been on Facebook for literally a month. I've I've never gone on Facebook. I've always thought thought it's for my mum. Like it's one of those platforms. I've just thought it's where my mum goes to see what my aunt in Brazil is doing. Like it's just a nosy platform. But spending a month on it and having so many conversations with people, I can just see that there are so many people out there that just need a, a little bit of help to get them going in property, but not quite they don't need a five or a 10 grand course. Mm. They need a few hours to steer them in the right direction and just say, this is where you are. This is where you want to get. 
this is how I think you can get there. And that doesn't just involve property, it involves sales and understanding sales, how to attract investors, how to speak to them. Same with how to negotiate uh, with landlords. Social media as well. Social media, I think, is a massive part, as you, as you yeah, know, yeah. getting your brand out there. So And much misunderstood as well. People think, I can't do it, it's not for me, I don't know what to do, you know, all of yeah. that. And it's just for the average person can get what they need on it. Well, one thing people are quite surprised at is when they talk about deals and they say, so how do you find like getting deals, like direct-to-vendor deals, do they come through local agents? And I'm like... 80% of my business for direct-to-vendor deals comes from LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And they're so shocked. Yep. They're like, isn't that for recruiters? It's such a naive way of looking at it. It's like saying, is TikTok just full of people that want to do silly dances? Like, there's yeah. so well, if, anyone on, if anyone listens to this podcast and thinks like that, then literally they won't because if they've been listening to us, we say all the time, tell them to get on bloody LinkedIn, yeah. LinkedIn um, is, is an unbelievable... Once you understand the algorithm, to, to think that like a lot of people go, I've only got 500 followers, it, it really doesn't matter because it's your followers' followers. Like, um, mm-hmm. I mean, we got connected purely because I saw that your previous podcast, Sarah, had been on here. I'm not sure that we were following each other before, but... Mm-hmm because of a connections connection, we're where we are today. And yes, I've got a large following, but that would have still happened even if I had only 500. Yeah. And that's the difference between like Instagram. You can post as much as you want, but it's only that same audience seeing it all the time, unless you get some viral video that kind of pops, which is- And even then, you know, when you see a viral video on Instagram, when do you ever follow them? You don't, you Mm. just go, oh, and then scroll on, don't you? So people say, I've got so many views on my reel. They yeah. probably not counted that. Plus, on LinkedIn, the power really is in the lurkers. So our clients and us, in fact, all the time are like, oh, someone's messaged me. They want to have a chat about investing. And they said they've been watching my content for a while, but I don't know who they are. They've never commented. They've never liked anything. I've literally never heard of them. And we're like, yeah. So it doesn't matter if you don't have, you know, you see some people on LinkedIn and they put a post out and they get, you know, 100, 200 comments. And then other people are just getting three comments, four comments, five comments. It really doesn't matter, does it? I invest in my education quite a lot. I've never invested in property education. I've learned on the way. But when it comes to marketing and stuff like that, because it's ever changing, you can never think that you know everything. You can't, you don't know it all. Yeah, definitely. So last week I I went to Birmingham and I, I went to the social media uh, mastery. Someone said something that was really, really good, which is the, the, the way people go wrong on social media is that they sell on posts. And I yeah. said, never sell on your post, sell in the DMs. Offer yeah. maximum value on a post, but just make sure that your call to action directs them to either comment and then you interact on a DM with them, directs them to their DMs. And that, yeah. that for me kind of resonates because sometimes we are quite guilty or we're always talking about how amazing we are. But in reality, no one really cares if you're waving yeah. a set of keys or something like that. But if they if they can see that they're relatable to you, if you can find a pain point that's relatable between both of you, then they're engaged. So Yeah. And that though, could be the most randomest thing, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, even though the event was aimed more at social media marketing agencies, there was still about 30% of the content that I could actually take away and apply to, to my business, but more importantly, apply to my training as well with people. Yeah. So, yeah, social, social media is the cheapest form of getting your business out there. Yeah, without a doubt. It's free. It's free for us all to get going. And, and you can you can try and be bad, and it doesn't matter because you're not costed. 
it's not, yeah. it's not just about that. It's about the immediacy of results. So, you know, I've been in marketing a long time before the internet was a thing, older than Google. And actually, in the back in the day, you used to have to wait months to see what the results of your marketing efforts were. Whereas on social media, you can put a post out. And if you don't get any comments on it, try a different kind of post the next day. Um, and so you're just getting that constant, you know, if marketing is all about test and refine, test and refine, which it is, you're getting access to that information about what's working for you and what like snaps with your audience instantly for free as well. So there's no excuse to just go out with the same old tired crap and get the same old lack of response, but, you know, f- mix it up a little bit. And when you find something that works, just keep doing it over and over exactly. again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Keep doing it until it's exhausted, then try something new. Yeah, exactly. So we always ask uh, our people, our guests on our people, the guests on the podcast, a couple of questions. First one being to recommend a book, if you can, to our listeners. So something that's helped you along the way in your career. So it could be marketing, personal development, business book. So a bit of a coincidence, but it's written by Shah Wasman and it's called Do Less, Get More. That for me, I have such a vivid memory of of this book, was the game-changing book for my commissions, which I went away, I typically charged three grand as a sourcing fee. And from reading that book, it just kind of enlightened me to know my self-worth and come back and just think, you know what, I'm going to start asking for a massive amount of money. What's the worst that can happen? People can say no, and we start chipping down. Either way, I'll probably still come out with more. So I started asking for 10 grand sourcing fees. And in the early days, I was coming out with seven. And I never saw that as a bad thing. I never saw it as, oh, I didn't get 10. I saw it as, well, it's more than double what I was earning before. Yeah. um, I think she quotes something like, if you shoot for the moon and you miss at least you're amongst stars yeah and and it, it really resonated with me that book and i've read it three times now um and again weird how things come around that all of a sudden Shah's going to be one of our headline speakers on our stage but that book probably was was one that i'd recommend she's got a new one out i think it's called get shit done something like that but she's very forward like straight to the point and um, sometimes that that's kind of what what you need in business as an entrepreneur just to be told what to do sometimes is good, isn't it? You, need, you um, need that slap, don't you? You need that harsh reality and you need that person that's that accountability partner that's not going to take your excuses. When I started learning about assisted sales and realising what I could do with that money multiple times throughout the year, even like my very first assisted sale that I did, I invested three and a half grand into getting a new boiler, thermostat and pipe work. And I made 16 grand. That's more than eight buy to let. And I've only used three and a half grand. Yeah. And then the thought of ever investing into standard resi buy to lets was just like, why would anybody do it? It's not exciting. And look, I've had a few assisted sales that haven't quite given me as much money as I would like, but my expectations are always three times my investment. So even if it doesn't value up at what I need it at, I'll still come out with double my investment. Yeah. But we've had some great ones. We've had some really, really good assisted sales. And I've got that pot that I'm working towards. And when as soon as I hit that pot, that's when I'll f- go looking and I'll go shopping for this particular building or whatever it is that I'm going to invest in that will provide me that income. I'll never get to that amount just by doing standard investing. But what I love there is you've got, which not a lot of people do this in life, but you've got a really clear goal that's really measurable and that is what dictates your actions to get there rather than thinking I want to make money in property and do a bit of this and a bit of that and then go well I'm not quite where I want to be but I didn't know where that was anywhere so it's 
it enables you, I imagine, to say, that's for me, that's not for me, and not have that overwhelm of, should I do this, should I do that? No, that's not for me because it's not going to get me where I want to go. This will. Yeah. It, I um, Funnily enough, I've, I've been working from the gym lately. I've, I've, it's school holidays, so trying to work from home. And so you've some, left, left your house. Good, good, good idea. Yeah, yeah. well, I've, I've actually come to my mum and dad's today for this, so it's nice <laughs> and quiet. Um, but I was sat at the gym yesterday, and there's this bank of tables where it's just literally everyone's been to the gym and they've all then got the laptop out, or they've got the laptop out in order to earn the right to then go up to the gym. And... You get talking. I to think people. just going to the gym with your laptop should make you fitter and thinner anyway. It <laughs> should be. Although the cakes are quite tempting when you're sitting yeah. in that place. So, yeah. But um, I got talking to the guy that was next to me, and he'd just, I won't say who, but he'd just booked to go on a three day course um, at the end of this month. And we were really talking, and I, I kind of said to him, like, why are you going there? And he said, oh, the cost of living's really affecting my family. I want to earn more money. And I said, okay, but like, what are you looking to get out of this three day course? And he's like, I just want to know like how I can earn money. And I was like, but are you thinking about what your skill set is as to what strategy is like going to be best suited to you? Are you thinking locality-wise, does your actual area that you live in work for that strategy? Or are you going to have to look outside? He's like, well, they're teaching me that, won't they? I was like, well, no, because there's going to be 300 people there and they're not going to care about the individuals. It's going to be one product fits all. And um, it's quite funny because he texted me last night just saying... I wasn't able to work for the rest of the day because your conversation is stuck in my mind. And I just wondered if we can meet up for a coffee on Friday because I'm thinking of dropping out of that and doing one-to-one with you. And I always say to people, like, until you know what you're going to do, like when they go, I might do a bit of rent-to-rent with a bit of deal sourcing and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, which one is it? Is it rent-to-rent? Is it deal sourcing? It's these trendy terms. We hear a lot, HMOs, deal sourcing, and rent-to-SA, the things we hear all the time from people. And I'm not sure they even fully understand what's involved in all those things. No. it's. um, I I mean, like, there's lots of whispers right now, isn't there, that if Labour have their way, Airbnb is going to have to start charging VAT. So 20% potentially kills that market. You may have to get planning permission to convert your property into an Airbnb because too many properties in the main city centres are becoming Airbnb. There's not enough social housing stock, so the councils are going to constrain it. And that's all things to consider because if you're thinking of building a business over the next two years that revolves around that... You're vulnerable. Potentially, you're, yeah, you're really vulnerable when it, mm. when it comes to that. 20% is, could just be your profit margin. I'm kind of saying to people, you really need to think on your skill set. I have a lot of people who have a trade, so they're plumbers, they're electricians, they're carpenters, and I'm like, there's no point going into rent-to-rent when you potentially can have like multiple income streams from this. Like, Why don't you go out and look for ideal flips whereby you can then also offer that additional service of doing the work and project managing? I'm sure you've got friends that do the other trades and they're like, yeah. So we'll just look at it as there's potentially two or three different ways of you making money out of one deal. And we had a client who basically does social housing and he, he wants to monetize it more. And we said, well, look, you could source ideal properties, that's one business, and then you could do the refurbishment, that's another business, to make it into a HMO, but then you could also offer a consultancy service which negotiates on behalf of the vendor with the housing association and gaining the, the five-year lease. Before you know it, you've got three different avenues from that one project of earning capital. Mm. And they're all skills that he already has in his armory, but he was yeah. just encompassing that into one business. That's kind of the way that I work. I'm always looking at how we can maximise 
the most from your client base and, and from your, your skill set. But you don't get that if you do 100 people in a room. No, yeah, you don't. It's different. It's different. What what suits different people, isn't it? How they yeah. how they like say how they learn what what's right for them to do because everybody's got different skills, different things that they can bring to the party. Some people and we all learn different ways, don't we? Yeah, you, exactly. I think, and it's, one of you said you worked in a bank before, so you might be a bit more technically minded and analytical. <laughs> <laughs> I did marketing in a bank. Okay, well, you're more creative then. Colouring in. Like, like Some, somebody people, once described yeah. my job as that. You, you might need to explain something like three or four times to someone for it really to sink in, but someone else will pick it up straight like that. So everyone moves at different speeds. Everyone learns in different ways. And I just think for me, I'd rather have 20 mentees at a time that I can really focus on and make them all successful or get them on the right path to becoming successful than be don't get me wrong, I could I could fill a room of 100 people every month if I wanted to. Well, obviously, you can uh, because you do. Yeah, but yeah. I, I wouldn't get the reward that I'm looking for, which is physically seeing and helping people on their journey. So, again, everyone's different. And yes, I, I agree. I think as you scale, you almost lose that intimacy so we often often talk about um you know when you're if you have a coach who's at kind of this level i.e just a few rungs of the ladder ahead of you then they still remember what it's like to be you they still know you know your fears and they can really help you whereas if you go and find a coach that is tony robbins it's unlikely you'll even get any FaceTime with him let alone he still yeah. remembers what it's like to be where you were yeah i, I agree I'd, and as I said, that that's why for me, even though it's time consuming, one to one is the the best way of of getting the the ratio of people that come on board to the ratio of people that become successful. It's without a shadow of a doubt the the only way that I think I I want to do it. I'm I'm running. I am running an in person event next month, but that's more so that's a taster for people to actually think about is this for me? And I think I can't even remember now. I'd have to have a look, but I think we're charging like ninety nine pound a ticket for a full day. It's yeah. not. It covers. It covers the cost of the event, but we're bringing in eight guest speakers. They're basically my power team. So, property tax accountant, mortgage brokers, solicitors, national letting agents. Like, there's everyone that you would ever need on your journey within property. Doing a small talk to just give you little nuggets of what you're going to need to know, and then you can just work out if it's for you. And if it is, then there's not another course that you can book. All you can book is the implementation with me. And and that's it. It's it's just one of those. So we're not we're not doing these big courses for money. Big funnel, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just more more eyes to see if our service works for them. And the other question we ask I was just going to say, did we ask both? I can't remember. <laughs> we didn't ask the second one. The second one, well, so you've kind of answered it already without realising, but because uh, we're the Get Savvy Club, we always ask our guests, uh, what makes you savvy? I'd say um, creativity. I'm always looking at a deal from multiple angles to see it if it works it works but how many different ways can we make it work like how many different exit strategies are there how many different ways can we package this deal so could this deal be good for a potential hmo or a potential student let or an airbnb because then when we we sell this we have a different group of buyers that can be pulled to it and i think a lot of people make the mistake of creating one brochure for all all buying types and again it's like what we said, Everyone, everyone's different. So if I know that I have a base of people that are interested in student lets, the same property will be packaged as a potential student let. The same property will be packaged as a potential serviced accommodation unit. But we create different marketing packs 
for the different buyer type. So I think, yeah, creativity and problem solving, 100% problem solving in this game is is the biggest skill that you need. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so if anybody wants to find out more about you, where's the best place that you want them to go to? LinkedIn, definitely. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Yeah, any of those channels will take you to my link tree and then you can connect with me on websites, podcasts, anywhere. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow and subscribe. Awesome. So I'm definitely going to uh, have a look at the dates and see if it's possible for us to go along to Paul's big entrepreneurial meetup that he does in London. Sounds pretty cool. I like it. I like it. I do obviously enjoy being around property people, but it's nice when you can get business and uh, the property people in one place as well. So it mixes it up and more different types of people to understand and and learn from and things. So, yeah, I think I'm going to check that one out. But I'm definitely going to be wearing my trainers and then changing to my heels because he's talking about these cobbled streets all these like a lots of stairs and stuff so that doesn't sound like a kind of place that needs your heels going so I will trainers for sure he is so right that the problem is people get into property and then start mixing in property networking mm. and join property groups on Facebook or on LinkedIn and what have you and actually all you're doing is putting yourself in a hugely competitive area where there's probably loads of people further ahead than you to give you comparisonitis and imposter syndrome. So if you're looking for investors, the best place to look for them is to actually not. It's great to go to property networking meetings because you get inspired, you get contacts, you can have mentors um, and just uh, a community as well because it can be lonely. But actually, in terms of what you need to make your business successful, go outside of property meetings um, to other kind of networking and social media, which is networking on steroids. So we have clients all the time who use LinkedIn and they go and find investors, people that they have not previously known, who they've built a relationship with on LinkedIn and then invest, you know, six figure sums with them. And that doesn't need to take that long and it doesn't need to be that difficult. So if you want that for your business and that would help you move your property business forward, then contact us and we'll tell you exactly how to do that. Yeah, we literally are saying that all the time to our clients constantly because you do if you fell into this world of doing property you'll know because you you would have got into like people say it's court like don't they which it, it kind of is with all the property education and whatever but good I think just but the language you, yeah but at some point you do have to think right okay I need to become the in my circle of people I need to be the expert in that so you need to get yourself around people that aren't also experts or learning about property or know because if everybody knows all these different strategies then yeah you will compete against each other you but then that's a bit daunting out. you don't you don't need to be seen as the expert so don't wait until you've done yeah you've yeah. learned all this or you've done all this to get out there mm. because actually if you're then looking for people to invest in you or outside of property then all they want is to know that you're a decent person because people buy people and that you know what you're doing and that your numbers stack up and that there's some kind of contract or guarantee in place yeah. to protect them and if you've got all of those factors then get out there don't wait any longer don't be don't you, wait till you are the expert because yeah. You're ready. Yeah. And you will be the expert in if you imagine what you were like before you did any property education, before you learned all this different stuff and whatever, like what you what little you knew, these people, especially I think the ideal investors are those ones that they're so busy in their own business. Um, maybe they're working 70, 80 hours in their own business and earning great money and they know they need to put it into assets, but they don't have the, the time or the inclination to get out there and learn property like you have. So you need to be connecting with those people. That was Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, connect with us on social media. Just search Get Savvy Club.